in the zone. In the zone. I feel better for listening to that. Um, well, we're podcasting, Nick. It's been a while. Let me just start off by saying um, I'm quite excited to be doing this, and I think it's working already, even though you haven't noticed. It, the, my, I think my internet is fixed. I think, oh, really? I think that's what's happened. I think we can actually have normal conversations from now on. I think we can actually pick up on subtleties in conversation. You know, you know, it's it's not just that. It's not just not to pretend we heard the other guy and just automatically agree. Exactly, just kind of like I mean, you know, it's a whole new genre of whatever whatever it is that we got really good at there for a while. You know, it's just that delay. Yeah, we're gonna have to re- retool our skill. Our skill. Yeah, all right. It's, it's all just moving too fast. Like, oh my goodness! Like, whoa! Like, you just <laughs> you responded immediately. Oh my goodness! I could see like you you're actually like. You know, it's it's gonna be crazy. Anyway, we might as well just live stream now. I reckon we just go back to live stream because it's like it's all <laughs> legit now. Uh, anyway, all right, cool. So it's um our uh well, I want to say Patric- patristic Friday, but not really. It's our um just our week weekly dose of reading through some some literature. We're doing Ambrose mm. um, tonight, so that's gonna be great. Um and. <coughs> We are just, um, I won't, I'll save everyone the pain of the intro, but basically you just go ahead and stop this if, you, if you're listening. If you want to read with us, you should be able to access the text um, online somewhere. Ambrose, the duties of ministers is basically what we are looking at. So this is a goodie. Ambrose is a big one. Um, and uh, you said it was relevant for you, particularly yeah. in line. Tell, tell us something about, a, <laughs> something, something about a scandal in a newspaper. <clears throat> well, uh, Ambrose is going to be talking about keeping silent. Oh, right. <laughs> oh, no. And oh, no. Uh, it's quite funny because, you know, so here's some two kingdoms theology quick before we start. All right. You know, so we're not trying to create a Christian government, but we're trying to be were good Christians. That, were you on that petition thing? Did you sign that yeah. petition thing? Oh, my God. Oh, yeah. Is that what this is about? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, sign the petition thing. I saw your name on that thing, and I'm like, "What are you doing?" What yeah, are you right. doing? It's, it's, so here's here's my All two right. kingdoms theology drive behind that. All right. So we're not trying to make a Christian government. Uh-huh. We're trying to be responsible Christian citizens. Mm-hmm. The pen is mightier than the sword. So you pick up the pen. You don't pick up the sword. <clears throat> and in a de- in your democratic uh, democratic opportunities, you you exploit them mm-hmm. by urging people towards the law that's on their heart. And so, you know, you, you petition and you talk about things like liberty of conscience, um, equality of rights, and that sort of thing. Oh so, my goodness, you're making me nervous. Where is this going? What's going on? Yeah, so uh, so basically national government passed some sort of law. Or they started giving some kickback on, you know, religious meetings and how many people should meet. Uh-huh. And uh, so we were all geared up. It was a bit of a gut punch for me. I was like gearing up for my 50 people. Mm. They released 10. I'm like, I'm angry. I've got to take this out on someone. And uh, <laughs> so the reporter starts phoning all the ministers in town. And so like, I let her have it. And I said, and by the way, I've signed this letter and here's the letter. And so, uh, yeah. So, you know, you, you, <laughs> you never know what the newspapers are going to say. Thankfully, it's, it's, it's quite tame. Okay. It's like coming across as quite respectful. Okay. Um, but you just never know how they're going to set you up. But yeah, yeah. I, 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 remember I phoned her back twice to like clarify exactly what I'd said. Yeah. So that I wouldn't get misquoted. Wow. <clears throat> Were you so, misquoted at all? No. Um, I think the, the central aspects of what I, I would want to say, mm. you know, like if I had to choose between going to a funeral or worshiping God, 
I would choose to worship God. Mm-hmm. Um, that religion is fundamental to my identity. That this is something that the secular government has not featured in their policy making. Mm. They've marginalised religious people because they're legislating from a secular point of view. They're not accommodating the religious uh, identity of their people. Blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I had a big spiel uh, about that. None of that got mentioned. Uh, mm, I only got okay. quoted with regards to saying that uh, you know you can tackle one another at level two, but you can't go to church. Um, <laughs> anyway, so you got to be careful what you say because you oh. never know how people are going to take it. And then today on the way home, bro, I get this phone call from this whack job. Okay. Didn't even catch his name. Mm. It's just like, hey, yes, COVID-19 is not real. It's a big sham. Oh, and no. the, the, the testing procedures are a lie. This is the government trying to control everyone. And people are going to get sick because now we're washing our hands and our natural bodies aren't doing the da, 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 oh, da. No. And I'm like, all right, dude. <laughs> so I must have attracted that sort of people, the, those sorts of people, right? You know? With your crazy, crazy rants uh, on the newspaper. Yeah. So can we check this, check this out? Is this like online as well? Oh, it's totally tame, bro. There's nothing, <clears throat> nothing is it, heavy. Is it about online? It. Can I link to this in the show notes? Or Us <laughs> <laughs> stuff.co.nz. Okay, X is it in stuff? Wow, yeah, right. That's <clears throat> big leagues. Timaru minister something or other what wants heck? fair treatment with restaurants. Some, that's like the headline or some stupid thing. Oh. Didn't, didn't say anything like that. Okay. Anyway. Wow. Yeah, I looked at that whole, you know, when, I, when that thing was getting passed around, you know, whether I wanted to sign it or not. It sounds whiny. It just sounds whiny to me. You know, I'm like, dude, yeah. we're already off lockdown. I don't even know what everyone's <laughs> complaining about. It's moving too fast. I want lockdown to slow down a little bit. You know? <laughs> it's just like, I mean, like my, my wife's back at work. My kids are back at school. Like freaking, we're going to be meeting, t- you know, in two Sundays yeah. max. I'm like, just, you know, save that stuff. I, I agree that we need to do that stuff. But it's like, that's, you know, I mean, it's like, you don't want to be whiny, You're like a whiny citizen. You want to be like, a, yeah. all right, thank you. Respectful. Appreciate it. <coughs> yeah, good job. Good job. Every, we let everyone else whine, you know? We're more yeah. robust than that, you know? I, yeah, I, I thought that, it was okay. Uh, I was happy to sign it because, you know, it spoke, it, it put all the right principles across. I mean, it had all sorts of stuff about the Bill of Rights that I wasn't even aware of. I thought, great, sounds good to me. But uh, I guess for me, it was the whole issue of if you allow 50 people to have a funeral, you don't, and you only allow 10 people to go to church. Come on. If you're going to grant people liberties, be consistent. You know, just do it. Yeah, but and they're not Christians, though. It's like, what do we exactly. expect? It's like we don't... So how do, you, how do you get secular governments to remember the marginalized religious minority? By speaking up. So speak up. If you yeah. don't speak up, then, then yeah, you might get marginalized. Uh, you see, the thing is, I'm like... We're marginalized already. I see. I live in a different headspace. You know what I mean? It's like, like yeah. it's not like you're gonna write to to Caesar and go, "Listen, you know, Caesar, could you just uh, hold back on that crazy, you know, stuff that you're doing there and give us a little bit more space in the mainstream?" It doesn't. It doesn't work like that. It's all just a daydream. You know, it's a hangover yeah. from from Christendom. Um, you know. And even, even, I mean, like the fact that we could even write a letter is great. You know, but like, I yeah. don't, I don't want to, I don't want to turn that into a thing. So, anyways, you can. You I can guess tell I mean, my, the, my, theologizing it now. You've got natural law, yeah, and religious liberty is a part of natural law. Mm-hmm. We would fight for the rights of Muslims to to worship freely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so it's it's squaring up with that principle. Totally. At no, least no, in my mind, that's where I was coming from. Yeah, no, I mean, I think there was a lot of people who would have signed it who might have been subscribing to a particular mm-hmm. American mm-hmm. type of ethos, pro capitalism, mm-hmm. fear of the uh, <clears throat> socialistic government trying to steal your kids. 
I'm, I'm not coming from that angle at all. Right, right. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, and that's true. You know, we got to, I think it, I just find it easier to, to sort of have that, that voice for others, because as soon as you start self-defending on this stuff, it's. I'm the other, bro. I'm the other. I'll fight for you, bro. <laughs> I'll fight for you. You fight for me. We'll be good. All right. So anyways, on to Ambrose and the duties Ambrose. of ministers. <clears throat> Basically can be sh- uh, summarized by the word, shut up. <laughs> silence. Silence. So it's actually quite interesting. I mean, there, there is a lot to talk about. There's quite a lot as well. What do we know about Ambrose to kick it off? Uh, Bishop of Milan. Yep. He was a guy who was serving in, was he Was he a judge or a politician? Yeah, he was a politician. Yeah. Politician. Yeah. Yeah, he got ripped out of the political world <laughs> and forced into the priesthood. And he's like, okay, I better get baptized if you're going to force me to be a priest. He was already and, ordained uh, before he was baptized. Yeah. He, yeah. Was, he was made a bishop. They got him baptized because they were just so frantic to get him into... And it's interesting that they used to do that because the magistrate would have to kill people. So basically, you know, basically sentence people to death. So they would delay baptism till the end yeah. because that was your one-off washing away thing and you don't want to waste it, you know. So so basically it's, you know, that's why he would have delayed baptism because as a politician. Yeah. So, so all of a sudden he has to change gears. Um, that's crazy. So, I mean, he was such an effective public uh, speaker. Mm-hmm. I think it was uh, as a result of the, the public speaking that he did after some catastrophe. They just mm. they just loved the guy so much they wanted him in the ministry, mm. probably because it's such a, a form uh, a political role at the time. But uh, yeah. another interesting fact was uh, he's he's known as the guy who rebuked the emperor. Yes, well, I was about to say he's, political time and everything. Yeah, yeah, he's known as the guy who basically cast the mold for all popes for the future to stand up to the emperor and put their fingers in their faces. Isn't that amazing? And, yeah. Uh, Denied him the table. Yeah. 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 And the emperor bowed. The emperor repented. The emperor put on this big public <laughs> humiliation. Man. And so that cast the mold for this. Uh, it's basically what you. Being head of emperors sort of thing. It's basically what you were going for in that newspaper article. Totally. <laughs> you, were, you, were hoping, <laughs> you were hoping that, <laughs> that uh, they all just come and bow at your feet, bro. It's uh, yeah, a yesterday, mate. You got to let that they go, bro. all right anyway um so prolific author obviously he's written a lot of good stuff uh well a lot of it i mean the defense of um christology or the divinity of christ is big with ambrose um he's more like exegetical stuff is super um you know allegorical he was one of those big origin sort of streams of origin guys uh which providentially worked out as we said the other day um you know this is why i mean platonists loved him this is why augustine was thought he had found the right guy to to shepherd him and so you know we're thankful for that uh that god used that but yeah in terms of it's just you know it's one of those annoying sort of like uh, okay the text is definitely not saying that or that or that either or that and and he's just doing (laughs) his own thing um but he did defend you know, uh, he, along with uh, with uh, Athanasius and, and all of those yeah. that we've mentioned before, uh, a, a orthodox doctrine of Christ's uh, Nicene Orthodox divinity. Yeah, yeah. Um, big Stoic uh, fan as well, and I think that probably comes through in what we're going to read. Um, he was he was one of the um, <coughs> the disciplined pick, life. Yeah, exactly. Don't talk. Just don't. <laughs> just just keep quiet. Um, 
there actually are a few places I think it does come through. Anyways, let's get stuck in. So um, we've got a few paragraphs. Um, we're reading. Um, so we just go one, one. I'll start us off. Uh, chapter one or book one, chapter two, five. Paragraph five. Paragraph five. Yeah. All right. Before all else, we should <clears throat> learn to be silent in order that we may be able to speak, lest my own voice should condemn me before that of another quits me. For it is written, by your words, you will be condemned, Matthew twelve thirty seven. What need is there to rush into the danger of condemnation by speaking, when you can be safer by keeping silent? I have seen many fall into sin by speaking, but scarcely one by keeping silent. And so it is harder to know how to keep silent than how to speak. I know that most people speak because they do not know how to keep silent. It is seldom that anyone is silent, even when uh, speaking is of no value. He is wise then who knows how to keep silent. So that's a good little opening refrain. Um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, it's kind of, and he will contradict himself at some level. Like he'll, he'll say later on, um, you know, you can sin by keeping silent as well, you know, when you yeah. should speak. So I think a lot of it is for you know, rhetorical effect and, and, you know, you don't want to take him overly literally. He's just driving the point home, you know, um, and, and, and making a good forceful point. And it's true. You know, it's, it's, you, you don't. I mean, I, I, there is one truism in what he said, you know, the person who doesn't know anything speaks a lot. You know, the whole thing of if you're a good teacher, you'll just like you, you can actually get your point across very well, very succinctly, mm, very mm. when you know what you're talking about, you can say it in one sentence. Right. When you don't know what you're talking about, you just verbal diarrhea. You know, it just keeps flowing. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> so you talk yourself into your point. It's like my life. <laughs> it's it's like what you often see when Mike's podcasting. That's <laughs> pretty much it. <laughs> what you see. Uh I, I make no qualms about it. Um yeah, well, you know, I call it external processing. <laughs> you know, it's so called over- what's that? Oversharing. Oversharing. We don't yeah. need to see the process. Well, it's just kind of like you know, <laughs> some people process in- internally, some people process externally, and I think you know, external processing. Processing. Yeah, I mean, external processes are probably they do need to um, they need to take extra heed to this. I think I think it is true because what yeah. happens is you can usually, as an external processor, talk yourself into the point, you know. So you'll get there eventually, and so you get away with it because you can, you know, you can get there, and you probably can get there a little quicker than if you stayed silent, even because you know it's it's hard to keep that internal dialogue going. But um, but the pro- the problem is, I mean, you you could also just say a lot of things on the way that you just really have no intent of of keeping out there. So it was, it did get me thinking, and I suppose this is a point that'll come up again. And maybe we should make a little bit more ground before we go into this, but um, I'll just sort of put it up uh, as a question up front, you know, in terms of, you know, you could come away from all of this kind of advice and go, all right, my words need to be less, you know, but I think that someone who actually had to apply it that way would, would, would be taking all of this incorrectly. You know, there's something else that we need to look for. And, you know, and I think uh, there are a few reasons for that. Um, And we'll talk about that as we go. But there's, it's just, there's a superficial way to handle this stuff, I think. And because we do need words, they do need to, I mean, when you got, I mean, podcasting, teaching, whatever, you know, you've got, you know, even the, the subject of banter, we should probably handle at some level in light of what he's saying, the propriety of it, if there is a place for it, where is that place, that kind of thing. Because I think that, 
you could, you know, you could have, let's say we just have this ideal world. Everyone just is able to apply everything Ambrose is saying, you know, I don't know that it's going to be that much of a nice place, you know, and, and I don't know. Yeah, that no, humor. no humor, no, I mean, sometimes we need the fluff. We do. We are simple yeah. creatures at the end of the day. And this, you know, where is the sin? Where is the problem actually? So let's come back to that. Um, yeah. All right, cool. So I just wanted to say one thing in yeah. social media. Yeah. Oh, there's a, so, you know, so this, Twitter. This, um, I'm, Twitter. I'm very comfortable with what he's saying because I'm like, a, everyone should just keep quiet most of the time. That's right. my personal opinion. Right. But uh, anyway, let's read and we can. Uh... <laughs> well, I mean, look, on. Um, I think that's a great point in terms of Twitter and stuff. You know, <clears> I mean, just my little bit of exposure with that. I'm, I'm not a big Twitter guy or Facebook, but I think Twitter mostly. It comes through on Twitter. Well, I suppose Facebook as well, um, where, you know, it's, it's just like I think so much of what he's saying here, it's almost like it doesn't even apply to the spoken word as much as it applies to that that form. That's where it's all happening. That's where the real problem here is happening. Yeah. So remind me to come back to that because that's a big point. Cool. All right. Well, it's, uh, so it looks like yours is slightly shortened than mine, but okay. I'll, just, I'll just tuck in it. Uh, so paragraph six. Okay. Paragraph six, that's yeah, what we got. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Therefore, the saints of the Lord loved to keep silence because they knew that a man's voice is often the utterance of sin and a man's speech is the beginning of human error. Lastly, the saint of the Lord said, I said, I will take heed to my ways that I offend not in my tongue. For he knew and had read that it was a mark of divine protection for a man to be hid from the, scour the scourge of his own tongue and the witness of his own conscience. We are chastened by the silent reproaches of our thoughts and by the judgment of conscience. We are chastened also by the lash of our own voice when we say things whereby our soul is mortally injured and our mind is sorely wounded. But who is there that has his heart clean from the impurities of sin and does not offend in his tongue? And so, as he saw there was no one who could keep his mouth free from evil speaking, he laid upon himself the law of innocency by a rule of silence, with a view to, with a view to avoiding by silence that fault which he could with difficulty escape in speaking. What's he saying there? It's it's all it's all match of the same. It's a it's a long way of saying be silent. So, it sounds like you need to get to the point, Ambrose. It sounds like you're externally processing. It. Hey, back in that day, bro, they didn't have a lot of paper to waste, so you just sort of, you know, totally. all your in between thoughts get put out there. For sure. All right, let's just go straight on to the next one. Um, yeah, next one. All right, this is uh, what is it? Paragraph seven. Um, <clears throat> the law says, "Yero Israel." The Lord thy God, not speak, but hear. Eve fell because she said to the man what she had not heard from the Lord her God. Uh, God's word to you says, hear. If you hear, take heed to your ways. And if you have fallen, quickly amend your way. For how can a young man amend his way except by taking heed to the word of the Lord? So be silent, first of all, and pay attention, lest you fail in your tongue. Uh, is that the end? Yeah, that's the end. All right. Paragraph eight, should we just add that on? It's yeah, short. Jump it in, yeah. Okay. It is a great evil that a man should be condemned by his own mouth. Truly, if each one shall give account for an idle word, how much more for words of impurity and shame? For words uttered hastily are far worse than idle words. If therefore an account is demanded for an idle word, how much more will punishment be exacted for impious language? Mm. That's good. I, I like the dis, uh, distinguishing there between idle words and kind of more terrible things you know um yeah. because i think that's kind of hinting at what we were talking about earlier um <clears throat> but just on that previous point you know the um that's a little bit of the allegorical stuff coming through there <clears throat> or just you know that oh, approach. Yeah. 
<laughs> you see, it says, it says hear, not speak. So, but I mean, you know, the point is there. And, and basically we just, the tongue, right? The James tongue thing is, is really what's driving that. And that's, yeah. that's, that's true. We just, it's, it's just a reflection of our careless hearts and we can't keep ourselves under control. So it's just going to come out. But like on that point, is silence really going to be the answer, I suppose, at all of these instances, you know? Sometimes it is in that, obviously, if you're going through an obvious, like if you can't rein your spirit in, you know, in, you know, the be angry, do not sin. I think he mentions that yeah. at some point. Um, I mean, there, there's a great example. Like, you know, you've got to keep silent because, because otherwise you're going to <laughs> do something sinful. You're going to say something sinful. I like that because it's nice and lucid. It's not like saying, listen, just don't speak because you're trying to look cool or be random or look wise or, you know, because it's going to be a folly versus wisdom thing. Um, don't speak when you're going to sin. So that's a good way, reason to be silent. Also, don't speak when you can learn. You know, I think that's a, if, if you just, you know, you see this come through in the in the Proverbs all the time. Um, you know, everyone's just a babbling fool when when actually you should just need to just listen to what the other guy says. You know, I think that's a big yeah. thing. Um, you know, a time a time for for talking, a time for silence that works as well. You know, if you got a you got a situation that just does not call for words. Um, answer a fool according to his folly. Do not answer a fool according to his exactly, folly. Exactly. Same, exactly those sorts of ideas. So, but then we're on to that as well, in that, you know, you've got to answer the fool according to his folly. There are times to speak. Um, so I suppose, you know, again, going back to my initial comment, <coughs> you got to take this thing in its entirety, I think, um, in order for it to have the punch that it needs. Um, because, you know, otherwise you're just going to, it's just going to straight jacket, you know, it's not going to be effective. You know what I mean? It's, I went yeah. through a phase like this. I did. I'd like, and I was just like, I'm just not speaking. You know what it ends up being though? You know, cause I've, I'm just disappointed with everything I say. You know what I mean? I don't know if you're the same thing. It's just, I don't like, I never go to a community group or a church, you know, group or anything and come out going, Hey, nailed that. You know, my speech was just like perfect. And so what I, I remember coming into um, Christianity, you know, you're wanting to work this stuff through. You really are terrified at every word that you're, you're uttering. And so you end up just pulling back on everything and just retreating. And just even if you got something to say, just you're not going to say it well. So why even say it at all? And yeah. it comes across like you're unfriendly, you know, all the time. It comes across that you really just don't care about people. It comes across that yeah. you're unhelpful. And Describe it me now. Yeah, I'm glad you got that. Glad you picked that up. <laughs> so, um, but but you know, and and it's not really doing what 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 should be happening because you would have thought that everyone would be like, well, that's wise. Look at look at the way that that guy held himself, you know. Uh, yeah. And when I'm around someone who who has something to say that could be helpful or you know friendly or, or something, but they've just decided to adopt the the quiet is wise model, I get irritated with that person, you know, because, <laughs> because I know that it's easier to do that at some level, you know, it, it's not, it's not going to exert, you don't have to think through what you're going to say. It's, it's almost a lazy option at some level, not at all yeah. levels, but at some levels. So I'm just wanting to bring some, I don't know, not pushback, but just some extra points. No, around, totally. You know? I mean, uh, I don't know if you read the intro to the whole thing, but <clears throat> in the first chapter, he talks about how, he had been forced into this position early mm. and he was having to learn as he taught. And it's almost like he's projecting his own experience wow. of having to keep silent. Interesting. And now he's teaching silence because this is a lesson he's learning for himself. Right. So here's, here's a talker who's, who's, who's opening up his own little personal situation that he's dealing with. And he's giving advice out of that. 
Right. <clears throat> yeah. That's a that's a great insight. Also, you've got that whole semi-monastic thing going on, right? With with Augustine and the the discipline of silence. I don't. When I was reading through this whole thing, uh, solitude and silence. And have you ever read Richard Foster's uh, Spiritual Disciplines or whatever it was called? Hated it. I know. So like the, you know the whole chapter on this, right? And, and and I think this actually was connected to what I was talking about earlier. Early on in my Christian walk, I mean, I was deeply affected by by that book, and um, and you know, it just it just advocates the silence of. And I only realized after a while that there's this whole connection to this monastic vibe, you know, which actually we're not shooting for at all, you know. And or Richard Foster uh, freely borrowed from Buddhism. Yeah. Oh. Not to mention, I mean, the transcendental meditation stuff is just ridiculous yeah. in that book. Yeah, totally. Um, but but even um, even just on the Quakery, you know, stuff as well, and just I suppose the yeah. spiritualist stuff, you know, and um, and and just that that. Anyways, I mean, I don't want to turn it, turn it into a, a rant on on his book, but but it's basically that there is that you know early kind of monastic vibe in the lurking in the background that I think you have to watch out for when everyone's going to tell you to keep quiet <laughs> in the, in this context, you know? Um, so, but it's interesting though, because you have to be able to justify speaking then and, yeah. you know, not always in the most profound way. It's easy to justify speaking when you've got this profound truth that you're going to say succinctly after having thought about it for three months. Obviously you need to say that, you know, obviously there's room for that speaking. But what about what we're doing right now? What about what you, you know, the fun that you have when you're kicking around with your wife, you know? Uh, what about exactly. what about the bands you have with friends? I mean, is every one of those words in view with what he's saying here? If so, how so? What are we talking about? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a guy who's not married. <laughs> this guy doesn't have kids. Yeah, and there's no real life at some level. Yeah. yeah. And so it, it reminds me a little bit of the whole uh, the, the, the burden, you know, you think about the whole quiet time thing and the, you know, uh, you know, what a good thing, right. To wake up, spend some time with your Bible praying. And so, you know, we've got this quiet time, quiet time, quiet time idea. And so we've taken these biblical principles, turned it into its own thing, which is like, know the word, read the word, pray without ceasing, you know, meditate on the Lord, the Lord, all these, all these ideas. And we turned it into a thing and pushed it so hard in evangelical circles. It's replaced church. It's become like the new form of communion. It's like, you know, mothers are condemned if they don't make room, uh, you know, in their busy lives to do what Susanna Wesley did. And you know what I mean? And and it becomes like so far ahead of what it was ever, you know, put down in, in scripture. And I think you have something similar going on with the silence thing. You know, the, 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 the scriptural principles are quite clear, you know, don't sin, don't <coughs> You know, and whatever that, what's that? Yeah, edify, edify, build up. build up. Yeah, and so on that edifying stuff, you know, I think that's where the banter stuff falls in, right? Yeah, I think there's a legit place for. I mean, there's there's banter goes dark, and you got to watch out for it. And banter gets funny <laughs> and weird, and you know, and I think yeah. it is a dangerous place. And it um, goes all racist, or it gets all prejudicial, or yeah. it starts tapping into wrong forms of humor. Or... And it's very difficult to <clears throat> pull answer back, like you know, as a because typically you're on, you're off guard at that point. You know, everyone's relaxed. This is a very, I mean, it takes a special kind of friendship to be able to stop that answer in the middle and go, "That's too much," you know. I mean, I do it all the time with you. You're constantly crossing the line, but but you know yeah, what I mean. So yeah. thank you for your rebuke. Let the righteous smite me. It is a kindness. Well, I would pour some oil down your beard, but, but 
<laughs> it's lucky. It's just going to go straight. It's going to be like skin cream for you now, right? Yeah. <clears throat> uh, the wounds of a friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, you got to watch it for the banter thing. Um, I've definitely been in a few situations and we see this all the time. Like, I mean, I'm, you know, even sometimes on podcasts, you'll be listening Banter starts out. I'm, I have no problem with the banter. I dig it. You know, it's funny. But but then it just goes. Whew, well, that's just too too far for me. You know, and 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 it's just such a weird space because it's like you weren't really ready for it. You know, you weren't ready to. You're not like going into listening to a false doctrine where you're sort of ready to pounce or something. You know, it's yeah. lulled you into a false sense of security, and then you all of a sudden you have to you know deal with it. But you have to. I think that God's got to constantly be on. That's the door to the mouth thing. Yeah. It's got to, it's got to be them. You know, there's got to be that line. Um, yeah. You know. I mean, uh, just <clears throat> the whole thing with silence and uh, social media. So mm. on the one hand, we need banter, but on the other hand, there's also, uh, for, for people are very emotional these days. Yeah. There's not a lot of discernment. There's not a lot of logical thought. People aren't taking a statement, analyzing it, mm. checking the background, seeing if it was true. They just accept hearsay. Yep. They'll gladly believe a lie about an enemy, even if yep. it's a blatant lie. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so I think this this is helpful just to reevaluate some of that stuff. Absolutely. And he actually does deal with that whole uh, passion thing, you know, which I think is, is you know, it's like you're just getting taken away with your passions. Um, words can let you do that, can, can, can bring about yeah. that whole effect. Um, so, yeah. Well, with that in mind, we've said it enough. We've guarded it enough to be able to read it now. <laughs> <laughs> and just and just accept what he's saying. So uh, right, where are we? next, I, chapter three, paragraph nine. Uh, nine, yeah. So what then? Oh, brilliant. This is exactly where we are. What then? <clears throat> Ought we to be dumb? Certainly not, for there is a time to keep silent and a time to speak. If we are to give account for each careless word, let us take care that we do not have to give it also for a careless silence. That's a quotable right there. I like that one. Yeah. That's great. Um, cool. You're going to hit, that's it for me on, on, on. Okay, mine's much longer, but it's fine. Let's do number 10. Yeah, we got a lot more to go, so. All right. Let us then guard our hearts. That's the important point. Mm-hmm. Let us guard our mouths. Both have been written about. In this place, we are bidden to take heed to our mouth. In another place, thou art told, keep thy heart with all diligence. If David took heed, wilt thou not take heed? If Isaiah had unclean lips, who said, woe is me, for I am undone, for I am a man and have unclean lips. If a prophet of the Lord had unclean lips, how shall we have them clean? Hmm. That's good. Something I, I thought as well is that this is in the context of ministry, this yeah. duties to ministers. So that's probably important to, you know, help as well, because there is a, and you know how this is always a thing. I mean, like, oh, man, I was reading it. Where was it? Was it um, oh, what are, one of the Puritans maybe, or um, who's that guy, uh, James? Uh, uh, James Jones. Oh, I forgot his name now. He's that guy. The duties to ministers. Um, James Engel. Charles Jones. Bridges. No. Oh no. uh, yeah, James Engel Jones. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think what, that's was that, the one. what was that um, book that he wrote? Something like the something yeah. ministers. Um, I think it's. I think I'm thinking about that one. But it, it kind of comes through in all the Puritan literature whenever they're talking to ministers. But I was just stunned at how direct they were about this thing. Because you know we've got the caricature of the the. The, the Puritan minister who's out there in the in the corner, like everyone else is having fun, but but the killjoy, yeah, he's the killjoy. But like, you know, Puritans in general were the killjoys in everyone's mind. But the Puritan minister, like, dude, <laughs> you know, you were like the ultra killjoy. He was the killjoy, killjoy killer. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
And, and uh, I'll never forget, I did a wedding once where in a, you know, Dutch reformed sort of town back in South Africa. And so, you know, I'm, I'm, that was my first wedding. I'm like as young as you can get. I'm not the killjoy minister at, at that point by any stretch of imagination. But just because I had the suit on and everything and it was in that context, I mean, like I would walk past people and they would stop what they were doing. Stand at attention. Stop joking around. Stand at attention. Put out their cigarettes quickly as I was walking past. You know, like the, the yeah, a Domini. You know, and and <laughs> and just you know, give you a quick bow and a salute and all sorts of things. And um, I mean, and then you sort of add ease, add ease, soldier. You know, as you walk, as you walk through. <laughs> and uh, but you know, and I, I'll never. I hated that feeling. It was just horrible. But yeah. but um, the the whole the whole thing that comes through in the actual literature for the Puritans, I mean, it's, it's frightening. They're like, listen, you should not be in any way joking around with anyone. Uh, you need to be the first one who leaves. You need to be the first one yeah. who, who is uh, showing, showing his disapproval, you know, and they'll actually give out lists and rules of like things that these poor ministers had to do to show right. their constant sobriety on this stuff. You know, And it's just like, I mean, imagine imagine doing ministry under that like yoke. I mean, it's almost uh, you know impossible to imagine. Um, but anyway, so a slightly less version of it here in that. But he is speaking to ministers, and there is a principle there that is more intense for ministers because yeah. you are just doing more talking. Number one, you're teaching. You have you have more opportunity to edify. You have more opportunity through your words to do these <coughs> things. So it really does get accentuated. Totally. I mean, yeah. d- weren't you petrified when you started recording your sermons? Um, well, I was petrified when I started preaching them. But <laughs> <laughs> like preaching's fine. Like my, I love my congregation. My congregation knows me. Right. They know my foibles. They know where I'm coming from. They won't. They won't they'll take everything in context. Mm. Then as soon as you start putting something online, mm. that's it forever. Everyone can access it, and mm. it's always going to be somewhere out there, and you can be quoted. Mm. I remember I was just before I started Romans. I just thought, yeah, I lifted my game. It Mm. changed. I changed the whole way I prepared sermons just because I knew. Hang on, this is this is going to be terrible. I remember someone saying right in the beginning. This probably was a good thing, but I remember someone telling me, "Listen, you have to preach as though Jesus is in the front row, (laughs) listening to your sermon." (laughs) <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's just that this is such a weird thought, like, right? Because Christ is in his church and, you know, obviously, you know, but just thinking about how Jesus would consider your exegesis as a year of your sermon and stuff, you know, yeah. he gave you that word. Like, he's going to know if you're totally, you know, pulling a fast one. And uh, I, that, that thought, that's enough to blow my mind right there. <laughs> or imagine Jim Renihan in your... In your... Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and that, that kind of effect, yeah, definitely. Um, where, you, you know, you know, you're just being held to account, essentially, is what we're saying. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's the principle, like, you know, ultimately, this yeah. accountability is is... You know, the, it's like one of the worst things that could ever happen to you to forget that that will be the case for you, right? How does that, I remember Deva struggling with this. He said, I, I freely confess, it's something like this. I freely confess I have no idea how the gospel works together with a minister's accountability for his words. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? Twice as accountable, yeah. yeah. Held, to, held, held to double account, James 3 says. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> How does that work with the gospel? I don't know. I think maybe it means you're saved by your skin of your teeth. But, you know, it's just like... The fire, the fire that burns up the Hayes Dublin store is twice as hot. <laughs> <laughs> it's 
like, why are you laughing right now? It's, uh, <laughs> oh my goodness! See, this is, it's just I know your fun. I know your fire is going to be very hot. <laughs> <laughs> my goodness! The banter has just gone too far. See, I'm just stepping in, <laughs> stepping in, and saying that. All right. Um, now, uh, oh, lost my lost my talking, lost my thinking, lost my reading. Thirteen. Thirteen. Right. Thirteen. 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 Really? Okay. Yeah. Um, and this is me. Yeah. All right. Let there be a door to your mouth to be shut when need arises. And let it be carefully barred that no one may rouse your voice to anger, causing you to pay back abuse with abuse. I like that. That's great. That's the that's the one. You know, that's the <laughs> big core truth there for me. Um You've heard it read today, be angry and sin not, Ephesians 4, 26. So while we may be angry, arising from the motions of our nature, not of our will, that's interesting, right? There's something going on there with a, a sort of a deeper anthropology that I'm not quite, you know, yeah. there'd be something to dig into there for sure. Uh, arising from our motions uh, of our nature, not of our will, let us not, that's a one evil word with our mouth, lest we fall into sin. But let there be a yoke and a balance to your words, humility and moderation, so that your tongue may be subject to your mind. I like that as well. That's the goal, right? You're not letting your tongue just rant yeah. off. <clears throat> and there's even hope for external processes there, I think. <laughs> because, I mean, that's a very, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a truism across life, and it's also a, a stoic principle, emotion subject to mind. Yeah, and we like that. That's good. Yeah. That has, it's kind of going back to your social media com comment, you know, it, it's yeah. intertwined with that. Um, all right. Let it be held in, in check with the tight rein. Let it have its own means of restraint whereby it can be recalled to moderation. Let it utter words tested by the scales of justice that there may be a seriousness in our meaning, weight in our speech, and due measure in our words. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I really like that. So as long as we've got a way to like incorporate the banter part of speech, I mean, and banter is probably not the right word, but just the, the everyday real life part of speech with that, lest we become absolute, you know, monsters. What do you think about um, <clears throat> just reflecting on some of those old Puritan reform yeah. pastors books, you know, pastors who tell jokes, it's like flies in the ointment. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. Wow. Where did that come from? Uh, it's, it's in every book. Yeah, right. It just flows through all the literature, right? But it's I think like that you're a man who has to do with eternal things, heaven and hell. And every yeah. time you walk in a room, everyone should be reminded of heaven and hell. If you tell a joke, it's a fly in the ointment. And, yeah. You know. I mean, I think that that actually just because obviously I got into all of that big time, you know, and <laughs> and I read a lot of it. And I'm like, you know, it's all in, in that reformed pastor genre, you know, that, that just that big weight that settles on you. And I think it did damage. Looking back on it now, I mean, thankfully, you know, I wasn't able to sustain that anyway. But, but I, I see you've swung all the way to the opposite extreme. I don't think I have. I don't think I have. <laughs> I think this is. Maybe I'll, I will give you that I'm not exactly in the middle. <laughs> but there is a lot more of a way for me to swing, bro. <laughs> just, just, just so everyone, everyone's clear on that. Uh, <laughs> but, but the whole thing, you know, it just, I think it did mess. I think it did negatively affect things, you know, just in general relationships. It did, yeah. you know, it put a weird expectation on events and things. And I think one of the things that started to happen to me is I started not liking people. I think that was yeah. one of the more serious effects of that whole thing because I just didn't want to have to be that, that thing that I could never be anyway, or that you know, maybe I could be successfully for an hour at a time or something, you know, yeah. but, but how can you sustain a public 
thing like that. And then it's just like, if that's the burden that you must carry every time you're around anyone, uh, it just, yeah. I mean, look, fine. I, I, I remember dealing with the sin of small talk, you know, is it sinful to talk about the weather? Right. Oh, I'm not talking about the gospel in Jesus right now. Am right. I sinning by discussing a BMW versus a Mercedes Benz with my wow. brother-in-law? Wow. Yeah. Wow. Totally. Like, yeah. 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 And it's know? almost like, and, and that's actually a great point because that almost comes out of that whole, um, it's almost like that small talk thing is in the realm of common grace, you know, and, and like <laughs> to the degree that you can affirm that there is a, a, a almost like a, a mundane, a common, you can totally. affirm that those things have their place, you know, and, um, and it's only when you, everything is sacred, everything must be redeemed, <laughs> everything, you know, the, the, you're driving at this thing, Puritan style, which is, uh, yeah, it's fatigue, fatigue will set in very quickly, burnout. How many ministers, I think, must have burnt out not so long ago when this was still the flavor of the day, even if not purity, you know? Yeah, and uh, what tends to happen is you have this ideal and you never live it. Mm. And there's that tension. You're constantly living this hypocritical thing, and that's what burns you out. Totally. Yeah, exactly right. So, I mean, you know, you got to be able to take the full weight of what he's saying without going into that weird zone, you know, without isolating the minister. I mean, like you've got to and, and putting him on a pedestal. So this is what we always talk about. Just don't, you know, we're, as Puritans. Yep. I mean, of just all stop people, the fan mail. Yeah. Stop praising me. I'm just an ordinary guy. Who's praising you? <laughs> It's like, uh, no one's sending me fan mail, but I can get the expectations placed on me if I'm not careful. Yeah. <laughs> to be someone who would maybe get fan mail one day. <laughs> anyway. Um, all right. So. 414. Okay. We got like three more if anyone is listening to this and going, how much longer will we go? All right. We've only got a Yours look. are probably shorter than mine. So maybe you should read. Oh, maybe, uh, do you, want me you do to 14, I'll do 15. Okay. All right, 14, here we go. Uh, anyone who takes heed to uh, to this will be mild, gentle, and modest. I like it. Good. For to guard one's mouth, restrain one's tongue, and to not speak before examining, pondering, and weighing one's words, whether this should be said or that should be answered, or whether it be suitable uh, as a time for this remark, uh, is certainly to practice modesty, gentle, and patience. I really like that. That's great. So he will not burst out into speech through displeasure or anger or give sign of any passion in his words, nor proclaim by his language that the flames of lust are burning or that what he says is motivated by anger. So there's the stoic thing coming through, but I think it's good. I mean, this is, this is, really, yeah, this is solid. Yeah. Um, let, let him act thus for fear that his words, which ought to grace his inner life, should in the end plainly show and prove that his morals are corrupt. So I, I, that's it for me. That's the paragraph. But like, so that last little sentence is where it gets a bit trippy for me. It's kind of playing on what we were saying um, a, a bit earlier in that a lot of the Puritan literature for me has that tone. Just don't let them know who you really are. <laughs> for heaven's sake, you know, it just yeah. act like this. But don't. If you say too much, they're going to figure it out. They're going to figure yeah. out that you are. Always keep yourself in the shepherd mold, in the shepherd office. Never come down to their level and let them think that you're one of them. Exactly, because then you won't be a pastor. Because you know, you'll then... lose all your authority. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think he means that, but, but you know, when he <clears> says, um, uh, uh, let, him, let him act thus, uh, this is uh, to reflect your inner life, should, should in the end uh, it plainly show, your, your words plainly show and prove that your morals are corrupt. Like, I mean, the, the new covenant is that your morals 
have changed. Like your heart is not corrupt. You, you know, there's a fundamental yeah. reality there that needs to come through in who you are truly. And, and, and so I don't think anyone should be in any doubt whatsoever that you're a complete monster of a sinner, you know, but they need to see you wrestle with it the way in the, in the exemplary way. That's the thing. You know? Do you think that maybe those old Puritan books are shaped by society? So you had the, the Lord yes. and the servant, you know, and because uh, all the Anglican clergy used to come from the, uh, the upper class. Right. And so there was that expectation that we are just your regular Joe Bloggs and mm. you're this, the Lord Bishop. And so there's this automatic station. But, yeah. but today our culture values authenticity. Mm, mm. And if you actually try to impose those old social norms, you're going to come across as this weird, aloof guy. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's countercultural. Yeah, true that. Yeah, and, the, you know, it's a great analysis. And, and, you know, that presents the danger for us, this, this uh, oh, look how authentic I am, as in, like, over-authentic. But yeah. one of the good ways I found to distinguish between what we don't like in that authenticity, uh, authenticity mold and what we should strive for is uh, maybe well captured by the two words uh, authentic and vulnerable, right? Because you can be or transparent, let's say, and vulnerable. Transparency could be like, you know, you, you could you could you could let people see your heart, but no one really <laughs> wants to see at the end of the day. They, pretty... they want to see your heart, but not your skeletons. <laughs> right. And, and, but even your heart, I mean, it's going to be pretty vile stuff coming through. And, and you know, it's, that's easy to show people, like, look at what a wretched sinner I am. I mean, you could just take them through five minutes of your day to, to, show, to show them that, right? But, yeah. but the vulnerability aspect, so it's always transparency with vulnerability in that you're going, yes, this was the five minutes of my day I'm taking you through, but I hate it. And I, I'm trying to not do that and, you know, walk with me in this. And, you know, and obviously we're not talking about disqualifying sins and those sorts of things. I mean, that's the thing on its own. But but in general, life stuff and the way that we speak and the way that yeah. we conduct ourselves. So, you know, uh, that, that's the, I think that's super important. That, I mean, you know, we need to keep that stuff. We need to be able to hear these words to hold up a caliber in ministry. Otherwise, it's just all going to go to custard. This is a this is an important biblical principle, but we have to do it in a way that, that isn't going to wreak devastation on ministry and cause yeah. burnouts and all sorts of things. Yeah. I guess I guess the distinction would be we're not ministers are in a different class. They're just more mature believers. Yeah, they're just further down the road on the same track. Hopefully. Hopefully, Hopefully, ideally, yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, like, uh, I'm pretty much, pretty much sure I'm not the most mature believer in my congregation, but uh, you know, hey, I'm trying. I'm, I'm repenting, bro. I just did. I just did. You just, you were just vulnerable right I there. Just, it's very I, good. You're a living lesson. Took the epitome of my life and smeared it over my existence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, good. Uh, do you want to read? Fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. But then, especially, does the enemy lay his plans when he sees passions engendered in us? When he supplies tinder, then he lays snares. Wherefore, the prophet says, not without cause, as we, as we heard read today, surely he hath delivered me from the snare of the hunter and from the hard word. Symmachus said this means the word of provocation. Others, the word that brings disquiet. The snare of the enemy is our speech, but that itself is also just as much an enemy to us. Too often we, we say something that our foe takes hold of, and whereby he wounds us as though by our own sword. How far better it is to perish by the sword of others than by our own. Right. That sounds like it's talking directly about you and that newspaper. Exactly. So yeah. some people have swords in their speech and they try to hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like an allegorical reading. Uh, Ambrose. 
All right. Uh, <clears throat> enough said. Last paragraph. And the last go. one is five. The last one's five seventeen. Okay. So you can take that all one. Right. We must also guard against visible enemies who provoke us, spur us on, exasperate us, and supply material <clears throat> to excite us to licentiousness or lust. If anyone reviles us, irritates us, stirs us up to violence, or tries to make us quarrel, let us keep silence and not be ashamed to become dumb, silent. For those who irritate us and do us an injury are committing sin and wish us to become like themselves. Beautiful. It's a good, yeah, it's good. It's a good. You know, it's you know, I think it's a really good portion of scripture in light of all of this, yeah. especially in terms of being provoked. Um, is Paul in two Corinthians? Mm-hmm. It's like he only ever defends himself when the gospel's at stake. Yeah. Otherwise, he accepts slander. Right. You know, so it's, it's 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 a great sort of distinction. He's not defending himself, but he does. He has to defend himself when the gospel's getting slandered. True that. Yeah, that yeah. is good. Yeah, and it reminds me a lot of Luther's whole thing as well, where he's just basically, you know, just there's no self-defense at all, nothing. Just yeah. if it's about you, just take it, you know. Yeah, uh, don't be whiny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> don't be whiny. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Mommy, they said something bad about me on the internet. <laughs> yeah, or oh, they won't let us. Um, they won't let us go to church one more Sunday. <laughs> so let's write like a three bullet, bullet <laughs> point. <laughs> Oh boy. All right. There we go. Just cross the line again. I'm going to end it there. Uh, Thanks, Dick. Appreciate it.